Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today I've got one promo for you. And this is why 36 times a Canadian true crime and comedy podcast. Lily and Krista not only have one of the best podcasts out there, but they are utterly brilliant people who have helped me no end even before I got started doing this podcast malarkey. And they gave me hats. Indebted to them forever. Go listen to them. You will love them and become as hooked as I still am. Take it away, eh? Hey, Lily. Oh, hey, Krista. Did you know, according to an unproven internet meme, you will cross paths with a murderer 36 times in your lifetime? I did know that, and you want to know why? I can guess. Because we're 36 times, a Canadian true crime and comedy podcast, which covers crimes in the Great White North. Every episode, we focus on a major crime, and then we lighten things up with a kooky one. We cover everything from major cases and unsolved mysteries to peculiar getaway choices and animals behaving oddly. So catch our bi-weekly episodes on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Engage Intro Voice In a world where bartenders are in power and alcohol is rarer than oil, only one man can change the fate of humankind. But in the pub food chain, he must start in the cellar. Steven Seagal is... Scraping the barrels. Huh? He's what? He's back. Thank God. I've missed that Scottish weirdo. <clears throat> Murtherers of all ages. Time to re-engage your chuckle muscles and enjoy this episode of Mirths and Monsters. On with the pod. Well, hello, my friends. I hope you're happier than an Oompa Loompa on a sugar rush. As you know, I had a wee spell away from your amazing selves, and I'd like to thank you all for the kindness and the patience that you've sent my way. Let me just pop on my Tina Turner wig and say, You're simply the best. 
I had some adventures whilst I was away, and by gum you're gonna hear about them soon. Today, however, I'm incredibly happy to say that this episode is a joint venture with Sarah from the Good Nightmares podcast. We decided to do a crossover episode about... Hercules! Sarah will be doing the actual history of Mr. Hercules, and I should be covering one section of his life, which is the Twelve Labours of Hercules. Now, I've asked Sarah about the age rating for Good Nightmares, and she said it's about 16+. plus. So I know that there's a lot of parents that listen to the podcast. That's the information for you there, and if you want to try it out first, that's entirely up to yourselves. Try it anyway, but then if you want your kids to listen to it as well, then go right ahead. For those of you who haven't checked out Good Nightmares yet, then I insist that you do. There's some true crime, along with origin stories of fairy tales such as Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and there's a, an episode about Edgar Allan Poe that has just come out. It's, it's brilliant. Just check it out. Sarah's a brilliant host with a very calming Australian accent, and the podcast is one I check out as soon as it drops. I'll also have contact information in the show notes. So now, my mirthy friends, time for the Twelve of Okay, folks, little bit of backstory. Hercules is a Greek hero, one of the biggest in the whole Greek hero canon. It's no mistake that Disney chose him to be the star of one of their films. I'll give you a wee bit of information about him that leads up to why he does the Twelve Labours, or Trials as I call them. Now his dad was Zeus. Zeus was the god of thunder and also the king of all gods. Even then folk had to do two jobs just to get by. Anyway, Zeus was a bit of a player, you see, and Hercules was born out of wedlock. So Hercules' stepmom, Hera, also a goddess, didn't take this too well and had it in for Hercules from his birth. Hera was a wronged goddess, but it's kind of unfair that she took it out on the kid who knew nothing about it. You know, the Greek version of Jerry Springer must have been just insane to watch. Anyway, cut to years later. Hercules is married to Megara, daughter of King Creon. King Creon is not an Elvis Presley song, but some of you have probably got it in your head now. Hercules and Megara had a couple of kids together, and this annoyed Hera so much that she induced a fit of madness upon Hercules, and much against his powers, he sent Megara and their children to live on a farm, and he never saw them again. Once his madness had been cured, and he realised what he had done, he fled to the Oracle of Delphi, but what he didn't know was that the oracle was actually being guided by Hera. So, to make up for what he had done, Hercules was told to serve King... I am not going to claim to be an expert in the pronunciations of the Greek names here, but I'll have a right good try. So, Hercules was told to serve King Eurysithius for ten years and perform any task that was asked of him. Now you won't be surprised to find out that Eurysithius was Hera's favourite little cherub. So anything that Eurysithius said, Hercules had to do. Simple as that. So he was given a total of ten to do, 
but once he'd completed them, Eurysithes, of course, changed his mind and added on another two. It's a bit like saying best of three, and then best of five, and then best of seven, and so on, until you actually get your own way. So what I'm going to do now is tell you all about the 12 trials that Hercules had to do. So let's start the countdown. In at number 12 is... The Capture of Cerberus, the Three-Headed Dog. Task 12. Cerberus, a.k.a. the Hound of Hades. A.k.a. Fluffy, for all you Harry Potter fans. A.k.a. the Guard of the Gates of the Underworld. He was a big dog. A really big dog. He also happened to have three heads, a serpent for a tail, and snakes popping out from his body now and again. A sort of reptilian whack-a-mole. Now what Hercules had to do was capture Cerberus and take him back to King Eurysithius. Not because he wanted the dog, just because he thought it was impossible. Really not a nice fella, this one, and he does get worse. Anyway, legend has it that Hercules could take Cerberus if he could defeat him without the use of a weapon. This was the rule as given to him by Hades. Now, Hades was god of the underworld. Picture a goth, but with better robes. So the story goes that Hercules, basically, squeezed one of Cerberus's heads until he submitted, and that was that. However, I've heard a different version. A little birdie told me that Herc loved doggos. And he knew that being the guard of the underworld can't be the most thrilling of jobs to have when you're a canine. So what he did, before he went into the underworld, he rubbed himself with sausage meat. And then he stashed some more about his person. So after being told the rule, he immediately sprang into action and he jumped up onto Cerberus's far left head. As you look at him, Herc whispered in his ear, Who's a good boy? Yes, you are. Would you like some sausage meat and to get out of here? I know some great places to run. Cerberus was a smart dog. Yes, he was. And, sorry. And quickly caught on. One of his mouths whispered, You get me out of here and I'll be your best friend forever. As soon as he said this, Hurt gave Cerberus some sausage meat out of the view of Hades and then quickly explained the head squishing plan. And that was task number 12 completed. Hercules left with Cerberus, who was trying really hard to not wag his serpent tail, and then he was free to run and chase for the rest of his days. Holding fast at number 11 is... Stealing the Apples of Hesperides. So the Hesperides are known as the Daughters of the Evening or the nymphs of the West. They tend to a blissful garden located near the Atlas Mountains in North Africa. Now, Atlas himself is actually known as the father of the Hesperides, and he holds the heavens on his shoulders. Literally. I'm sure you've seen the image. In this garden, they also have the best apples. Oh, my Greek gods, do they. Hercules was sent to get some of these golden apples, by King Yuri. So what Hercules had to do, basically, was something called scrumping by proxy. I shall now explain what scrumping is. Scrumping 
is, I believe, a particularly British activity that involves stealing apples. You would make sure the coast is clear, run in and steal as many apples as you could carry, and then run away again before an old man in a flat cap came doddering out shouting things like, Oi, I know you're dead! He never did know your dad. He was just trying to scare you. Apparently, I got told by a friend. So that's scrumping. Scrumping by proxy is convincing someone else to do it. In this case, Hercules had to convince Atlas to do the thievery. He managed to do this by telling Atlas that he would hold the heavens for him while Atlas went to pick some of the delicious apples. Atlas, of course, agreed, and it was such a weight off his shoulders. After Hercules took the weight and Atlas stretched for what seemed like forever, letting out a big satisfied grunt as he did so, he went to go and get some apples. After he did this and came back with them, Atlas said he didn't want to get back into the position of Heaven's Bearer anymore. So there. Hurt and half-human, pretended to be in awe of Atlas and said that he would continue to carry on the work of him, but he did need to adjust his cloak before spending eternity carrying the weight of the heavens upon him. Atlas, being somewhat duller than a rusty monkey wrench, agreed, and once again took his position of holding up the heavens. Hercules said, Sucker! and ran off with the apples, chuckling as Atlas used words that I cannot repeat before finishing with a resigned, Oh, man. Straying in at number 10, Herding the Cattle of Geryon. Geryon was a giant, who also happened to have three heads, three bodies, and six arms. Rumours that his nickname at school was Mr. Potato Heads are unsubstantiated. Now, Geryon had a watchdog called Orthrus, and Orthrus's job was to guard the oxen of Geryon. Hercules knew what he had to do. He very calmly walked up to the scary beast that was Orthrus and said quietly in his ear, Cerberus says hey, and that it's all true. Now the story of Cerberus had made the rounds and had reached the ears of Orthrus, who was kind of fed up just guarding oxen. It was so boring. So to hear this from the mouth of Hercules, well, you know, Hercules had a bow and arrow, and also a knife, but the knife was a prop. So out of the vision of Geryon's many eyes, who had just been watching calmly, assuming that Orthrus would just rip Hercules apart. So out of the vision of Geryon's many eyes, Herc pushed the blade, and Orthrus could see that it went back into the handle. Orthrus winked, and as he reared up onto his hind legs, Herc shoved the knife into Orthrus's belly, who then collapsed and made lots of groaning and oh I am dying type noises before Hercules had to nudge him with his sandal. Orthrus giggled and then pretended to die. Geryon was outraged. Herc knew he had to be quick. He drew an arrow from his quiver and with great speed he fired it off into Geryon. This normally wouldn't be a big deal, but the arrow was tipped with the poisonous blood of the Lehman Hydra, which we will get to. The poison worked its way through Geryon and he died. Hercules herded the oxen with cries of 
come by, come by, come by, good lads, are you doing grand? Come by, come by, come by. Despite some interference from Hera, he actually got them to Eurystheus, who promptly sacrificed them all to Hera. What is this guy's deal? We're moving up the chart to number nine, stealing the girdle of Hippolyta. Hippolyta, or Hippolyta, was the queen of the Amazons. This meant that she was really good at sending out presents, but she didn't really pay her taxes. Hippolyta wore a girdle, which was actually more of a belt, and this is what Hercules had to get. He knew it was going to be tough. However, Hippolyta had heard of Hercules' exploits and the reason why he was doing them. She was more than happy to help and passed over the belt without incident. Hercules was happy, but slightly disappointed because he thought it was an actual girdle. And what with all the travelling he'd been doing, his diet wasn't as good as it could have been, and he wasn't happy with the way the belly was going. Everyone else told him it was fine, you're beautiful, just believe in you, but you know how gods get. He managed to hide his disappointment though, and he headed off onto his ship, onto his next adventure. Now there is another version in which Hera spreads mistrust amongst the Amazons about Hercules kidnapping Hippolyta and this resulting in her going to live on a farm. But as far as I'm concerned, that's just rumour. Now, galloping in at number eight is the task of obtaining the horses of Diomedes. Now, Diomedes was another giant. Seriously, you couldn't... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
move for joints back in the day. Closest you get nowadays is when wrestling's in town. So he was a giant with four uncontrollable man-eating horses. They were Podargus the Swift, Lampon the Shining, Xanthos the Yellow, and Dinos the Terrible. Or that's what they say they were called. Another little birdie told me that they were actually called Podargos the Whiny, Lampon the Chubby, Xanthos the Gummy, and Dinos the Terribly Smelly. Now, whatever they were called, they were nasty brutes who had to be tethered to a bronze manger because they were so wild and naturally grumpy. Some say they expelled fire but it would depend on what they had for tea the night before. But what all the stories agreed upon is that their diet definitely consisted of long pig, a.k.a. humans. Sorry, but there it is. Luckily, Diomedes was a really, really bad giant. He would scare kids, he would smack dogs, and he would always take the last biscuit when it was offered by the party host, and that is just not the done thing. Hercules managed to overpower Diomedes with a sleeping draught, and the horses had something to eat for pudding. Now this actually calmed the horses down, so Hercules took the time to bind their snouts, and he easily led them to King You-Know-Who. Holy cow, in at number seven, capturing the Cretan Bull. I have mentioned the Cretan Bull in a previous Grecian Hills 90210 episode, but here we learn of another chapter in its life. Hercules went to Crete to capture the bull for King Thingy, and with permission from King Minos, who was the ruler of Crete, Hercules did his thing. Now the bull had been wreaking havoc in Crete, uprooting crops, levelling orchard walls. I know that farming is important, but considering all the things that a bull could possibly do, this doesn't seem like much havoc. Go find a china shop, hunt down some bullfighters, not pull up some ties and knock down a wall. That is just my own aside, I must say. So how did Hercules capture this raging force of power? He crept up on him, and he put him in a sleeper hold. Yeah, that was it. Hercules' strength paying off again. But at least the bull survived. He did lift one of the bull's hooves three times and made sure that they slapped back down again to make sure he was properly out cold. That's how you check. And then he shipped the bull to Eurystheus, who hid as soon as he saw it and ordered it to be released into the town of Marathon, which later changed its name to Snickers. Swooping in at number six, the task of slaying the Stymphalian birds. Now, these birds were the pets of Ares, the god of war. Ares used to have a sideline in peer-to-peer file sharing, but he had to shut it down back in the day. These birds of his were man-eaters. There was a lot of man-eating beasts back in the day. Their beaks, their claws, their wings were all made of bronze. So every Sunday night they had to break out the baking soda and the lemon juice for a good polish, just to make sure they didn't turn green. And how did Hercules slay these shiny squawkers? Quite simply, he used bronze clappers, known as crotola. This made a sound fearsome enough to scare the birds into flight from their hiding places, and Herc took this opportunity to shoot them down with a catapult, 
because apparently he had the arsenal of a seven-year-old boy. I believe he once tried to knock out a bear with a baked conker. Sweeping in to number five, the task of cleaning the Aegean stables in one day. Now this may not sound like the hardest task in the world, but the Aegean stables housed over a thousand head of cattle, and it hadn't been cleaned in 30 years. Now if there are over a thousand head of cattle, you don't need me to tell you how many bottoms that is. I don't think I need to go into too much depth about how... full the stables were. Luckily, Hercules came up with a simple plan of diverting two rivers towards the stables and opening the doors. The rivers sluiced away the stuff that was in there, and the job was done. Eurystheus wasn't happy though, of course. He said it didn't count because the rivers did the work. Seriously, some people deserve a wedgie. Snorting in at number four is the trial of the Aramanthian boar. Now Hercules managed to get some advice on how to capture the boar from a highly regarded centaur called Chiron. Now Chiron advised him to trap it in deep snow. Now as this was still early in the year, the chances of snow were as likely as a Greek story that involved just having a cup of tea and a biscuit and watching some telly. So Hercules had to wait to complete the trial in winter. So in the meantime, he went to Daytona Beach in Florida and managed to get a spot dancing on a podium for MTV Spring Break. So when winter came around, Hercules managed to track the boar without issue and pursued it so the boar had nowhere else to run but into a deep, packed drift of snow. Herc took the animal back to Eurystheus, who again got scared and hid from the massive pig and told Hercules to get rid of it. Now, my Marthers, we are now entering the top three trials of Hercules, and at number three is... The Capture of the Cyrenian Stag. Now, Hera and Eurystheus were becoming increasingly miffed that Hercules was succeeding with his tasks. So in this trial, they included some more peril. Hercules was to capture and take back the Cyrenian Stag. Now, that sounds simple enough, but the stag was actually a beloved beast of Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. To steal her stag was to risk her wrath, and she's the goddess of the hunt. She'll know her way around a weapon. The stag itself was a beauty, with golden horns and bronze hooves, and it was so quick it could outrun an arrow in flight, which is why it took Hercules an entire year before he had the chance to take it down. It finally had to stop for a drink. Now it didn't say what kind of drink. <clears throat> My guess is that it was from water from a stream and not a half a pint of lager from the local pub. Hercules managed to trap the stag with no harm to either and he set homewards. However, he bumped into Artemis and her brother Apollo. He was the god of 1970s discos. Hercules begged for forgiveness and he explained his plight. Artemis knew of King Yuri and knew that he was a real pain in the toga. So she agreed to Hercules' plan of taking the stag to Yuri, but he would find a way to return it. So that's what he did. He took the stag to Eurystheus and agreed to hand it over on one condition, that Eurystheus came and actually took the stag for himself. He came out, Hercules let the stag go, and it 
instantly fled and headed back to Artemis. Herc told Eurystheus that he just hadn't been quick enough. One nil to Herc on the burn scale. Holding steady at number two, the killing of the Lyrnian Hydra. This Hydra was created by Hera for the sole purpose of killing Hercules. Talk about having a grudge. The Hydra dwelled in noxious swampland near Lake Lerna. Hercules covered his mouth and nose with cloth to keep from suffering the effects of the gases. And with harvesting sickle in his other hand, he then went to town on the Hydra, cutting off its head. Now here's the fun part. A Hydra has nine heads. And when one head was cut off, another two grew in its place. And for extra fun, only one of these heads was mortal. So here we have Hercules, sickle in hand, cloth covering his dinner grinder and Hydra heads popping up a plenty. What to do? Well, this next section is kinda grim. So, hold on to your food departments. When Hercules figured out a plan to help him, he would cut off one of the heads and he would then burn the exposed neck so nothing else could grow. He cauterized it, basically. And this did the trick. So he carried on whittling away at the Hydra. He then took out a golden sword that he'd been given to by Athena, the goddess of posters, and with one fell slice he removed the mortal head from the Hydra. He then buried it underground and topped it with rocks. As a last act, he dipped his arrows in the poisonous blood, which would come in very handy later when fighting Geryon the Giant. And roaring in at number one, the killing of the Nemean Lion. So, this is the number one task that Hercules had to handle. It was to kill the Nemean Lion and bring back its skin. According to legend, the Nemean Lion would lure hunters into his cave by using women as bait. These hunters would then try and save the damsels in distress, only to become supper for the lion. However, this is what really happened with Hercules. And yes, I was told this by another little birdie. Seriously, if you want the gossip, ask a little birdie. So Hercules ventured to Nemea to hunt down the infamous lion, knowing that one of the town's women had just recently been kidnapped. He found the cave quickly enough and saw an injured woman at the mouth of it. As he stepped cautiously closer, the woman suddenly leapt and in midair changed into the lion, full-on shapeshifted. The lion stopped and looked at Hercules the same way that I look at a bacon sandwich. Hercules quickly pulled out an arrow and fired it at the lion. As it hit the fur, it went and fell to the ground like a depressed and broken firework. Ow, said the lion sarcastically. You're Hercules, right? Here for my skin? Hercules struggled to speak. Come on in. I've got a surprise for you. Hercules paused. Come on, Herc. I'd have slaughtered you by now if I was going to. 
Hercules nodded at the logic and followed the lion inside the cave. They walked deeper and deeper in. And instead of getting darker, it was actually getting brighter. There were lights glowing in the distance. Finally, Hercules and the lion reached the lion's den. Four women were also there, busy making some lovely smelling dishes. They noticed the visitor and all said, Hello! Hercules was still dumbstruck. Take a seat. Take a seat, said the lion. I know why you are here and I know the reasons that you are doing these tasks. I too lost my family. I am no killer of women. They lead a miserable life in that town, treated less so than others. They ran away. I give them sanctuary until they are ready to move on. In return, they help me. This whole skin of the lion thing has been going on for the longest time. So, what happens is that I get a good shave every so often and the ladies make a replica skin. Pretty clever, huh? Hercules could only nod, but the realisation of what was actually the truth had hit him. The lion was genuine. They chatted for a bit longer, and before he left, Hercules was given a skin that more than easily could pass muster. Hercules returned with the skin, which of course really annoyed Hera and King Pants, which in turn led to the next trial. And the next... And the next. And there you have it, my friends. The Trials of Hercules. Remember and check out Good Nightmares for the real lowdown on the story of Herc. Couple of things to inform you of after the music ends. I just need a couple more minutes of your time. So till next time, my sweet Marthas. Slantia. Your good health. Okay, folks, just a few things to tell you. Firstly, I want to say a massive fit like to my great niece Lily, who now listens to the podcast. Tell your ma you've got great taste. I also need to give a massive shout out to Samantha Hogan, the most recent patron. Samantha, thank you so much. It's your generosity again, along with the rest of you. It's just fantastic. Thank you so much. I am behind with sending stuff out. But things are under control and organisation is the name of the game. So those who haven't yet received your rewards, they will be with you soon. And anyone who would like to become a patron and receive stickers, badges, early release episodes and much more, head over to www.patron.podbean.com forward slash Mirths Monsters. It all starts at $1 and it's totally worth it. I know I would say that, but it is totally worth it. Now, the British Podcast Awards have a Listener's Choice Award, and it would be so cool if a wee indie podcast like myself had some kind of chance. So if you would care to vote for me, that would be better than cake. I'll put the link in the show notes, and the voting ends on the 18th of this month, and it takes literally no more than two minutes. And, oh my word, I would hugely, hugely appreciate it. You can join me and many other Murthers on Facebook, at the Mirths and Monsters Facebook group, a.k.a. Finn's Fan Club. I'm also on the Twitter at Mirths and Monsters, 
and Instagram at Mirths and Monsters Pod. That's all for now, folks. Till next time. Daddy Fling. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.